Welcome back to Recap, the podcast where we cover the latest news featured on our social media pages and beyond. We like to try to find the news that matters most to our voters, and we encourage our legislators to not only listen, but to also act on what they hear. I am your host for today, Joshua Hyde, and with me today are... Go ahead, boys. Uh, uh, Anthony Arnold, host of uh, Smart Politics, frequent guest on here, writer for Pointcast. And the greatest writer of all time. All there time. It is. There's my hype crew. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Anytime, buddy. Your turn. So uh, I'm Alexander Crohanan, uh, MS, um, and now uh, officially doctoral candidate. What, what? Guys, um, yes. Uh, get some snaps so, in the chat. Sometimes host of uh, Recap and uh, sometimes writer, um, all-time sass. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. And we got one more today. Go ahead and introduce Hi. yourself. Hi, I'm Nick. Uh, I don't have any fancy titles and I don't have any podcasts. Um, that's, 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 that's not even true. He is a he, him, and he has a YouTube channel. That is true. That is Where awesome. he does that a lot of... Uh, very cool Kingdom Hearts stuff, and you should check it out, Nick. You should. That's yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll plug I'll, yourself. I'll self plug. I can self plug here. Uh, yeah, I do have a YouTube channel where I do Kingdom Hearts guides, so that's a fun thing. <laughs> nice. I didn't know that. And I also, I also do. I also do always start with I'm a he him. So we're putting that in there. That's just gonna be how it's gonna be. Do we do that's we need to, do we need to list our our pronouns? Is that should should that be an important thing that we solidify now? I, I I think we're good. Think so. No, we're doing it. <laughs> we're doing it. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. Y'all, I, 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 I think it's your it. thing, Nick. I don't, I don't want to take it from you. That's fair. That's fair. We'll leave it. We'll leave it for it's Nick. Not, for what? Now. <laughs> <laughs> what? It's part of your signature. Not... You know, you say you know we all have that person in our in our corporation who who has like as part of their signature block their preferred pronouns. Mm. You know, okay. it's just part of your signature. It's fine. I see. Nick, he him. <laughs> he him. I like it. I like it. All right. How are we doing today, boys? Well, as you can tell, I sound like crap. So <laughs> you're you're not that bad. You're flattering me. I, I appreciate it. If anything, <laughs> he's much sound, better. Your voice sounds deeper than normal. More authoritative. More authoritative, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he is Professor X. So uh. all right. So let's go ahead and get started with the trends. Trends. All right. So, uh, so we're, <laughs> we're going to begin or discuss like, so what is a trend? And a trend is something that happens with occurring regularity as to fit a pattern. Uh, a pattern might occur if there were, say, 213 of them in, in about six months. That might be a pattern. And that thing that I'm delaying talking about maybe mass shootings in America. So per the gun violence archive, uh, we have had 213 um, mass shootings this year. That's so that sounds that sounds like a lot because it, it, it's definitely a lot. But you're like, oh, wait a minute. If I go to Wikipedia, I only see nine. I only see nine there. What what's with that's not 200. What's the disparity? Well, um, we have to talk about so what is a mass shooting? What's the difference between a mass shooting and just like a shooting? And uh, I mean, the answer 
I would hope is, is fairly apparent. It's just the number of people who are hurt. So if, uh, say, if uh, a person, um, say, if a person takes out a gun and shoots one other person, that's not a mass shooting. It's just a shooting. But if I um, take out a gun and I shoot out one person and I miss and hit two other people as a result of this, of this one gun battle, now it is a mass shooting. I have shot three people, the person I meant to hit, and the two collateral damage. So... When I say 213 mass shootings, I mean 213 gun incidents in which two or more people were shot or injured. Uh, so I'm not, we're obviously not going to go into all of them and I'm going to let, we're going to let the, we'll go into the deep dive later and we'll talk about them more in detail, but I just want to get some numbers out so that we kind of have a grasp. Uh, one of which is that there is um, uh, a mass shooting in, uh, at least one incident of a mass shooting in every state in the contiguous United States. So 48 out of 50. That is unfortunate. Um, yep. Obviously, um, there are, uh, if you look at the, I have this map here, um, and if you, uh, on, again, on the Gun Violence Archive website, and you can see um, each little red dot is a, is, an, is a mass shooting event. And you can see they do tend to cluster around large cities. Obviously, that's where more people are. And just that's, that is the law of mass action. If you have more people, if a certain amount of, if a certain percentage of people, um, you know, will do gun violence, then you're just going to have more of them in a larger city. That's, it's just math. But let's say, but let's talk about like the num like some of the numbers here. Uh, so the number of children aged zero to 11 who were killed in these shootings is 144. Uh, number of injured is 302. Uh, the number of teens injured, I say killed, uh, teens being between 12 and 17, um, is 516. Uh, the number injured is 1,329. Uh, the number of defensive use of guns is 458. The number of unintentional shootings is 588. And the number of murder-suicides is 265. I, I have a question. What is an unintentional shooting? So an unintentional shooting is, I would say, uh, so like, so, oh, so you're asking, how do I accidentally shoot three people? Well, yeah, I was looking for the definition, but that was going to be my follow-up. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. So uh, how do you have an unintentional shooting? Um, well, the unintentional shooting comes as a result of... Um, I thought the gun safety was on and I was just, you know, I say, and I was whirling it around and it, you know, say, and it has a higher rate of fire. All right. <laughs> so I, can... I tried to start this episode uh, with a bit of levity because I knew it was going to get kind of heavy kind of quickly. Um, given the nature of what's been going on as of late, thank you for bringing up that, that as a trend, Alex, uh, I didn't know that number was that high. But I definitely knew the number was a lot larger than I would have wanted it to be. Um, yeah. 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 Let's. Yeah. I, I've been in just. I reason I've been silent. I was just posting something in our Slack chat. There were two. Uh, by that definition, Alex is using from the website he referenced. There were two mass shootings yesterday. Uh, one at a a party in Alabama where six people were injured, and another one that appears to where uh, three children and a woman were killed. So that was just yesterday. And Jeez. 
those are the sort of the numbers Alice is talking about. That's what most mass shootings are. They're these sort of incidents that you'll never really see reported outside of local community news. Um, but they're just shootings where four or five people are killed or injured. And that happens almost With every day. horrifying regularity. Yeah. yeah. Basically every day. We've really every day once you do the math. Every single day. Oh, yeah. I see. So on average, on average, it's 10 times a week. So it's a little more than once a day. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's absolutely nuts. And we're going to dive into some of the things I want to talk about in that in a second. So thanks for bringing that up, Alex. <laughs> uh, I, w- I was going to say thanks no for problem, bringing buddy. Down, but like we, we, we got some heavier shit to get into. So Anthony, yeah. let's go ahead and talk about that poll. Yeah, so uh, as as always, polls come out every Friday across social media. Uh, we like to see everybody interacting. Uh, we're always in there, typically leaving our own comments or you know leaving our own thoughts on them. So the poll, um, this poll, just so that listeners know, came out after Buffalo, but before Texas, uh, which lets you know how frequent this is. We asked this yep. question in between the two and then the Texas shooting happened. So the, the poll was with the events in Buffalo behind us. Do you think you have become fatigued or desensitized to the shock of random acts of violence? How can we approach and relieve fatigue or desensitization? If that is what it is so that future efforts to stave off such attacks will both be and feel effective. Um, I'll give my answer first and then we'll go Nick sort of new, new guy privilege. Uh, Alex and Josh. So that'll okay. be the order. So I'll, I'll go first. Um, I, I answered this question. So put it in perspective, Columbine was in 1999. That's the year I was a freshman in, in high school that fall. Uh, I'm the oldie in the group. So I was, I started my freshman year of high school in 1999. I now have a daughter who is going to be a junior. Um, so that sort of, is the is is the time span right we we started talking about it a lot when i was a freshman in high school i now have a daughter who's a junior and we're still talking about it right we've made precious little progress from 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 that crazy time frame in 1999 23 years ago we've come very little distance so i am <laughs> incredibly fatigued i think it's natural normal to be fatigued we've seen people shot everywhere imaginable in every possible circumstance. As I said, they, they shot Congress and that didn't, you know, you would think purely for selfish reasons, shooting them would prompt action. And you yet think. you would think that if anything would prompt them to do something about this problem, shooting them would. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I was being, <laughs> I mean, Alex and I talked and I said, at least tyrants have the decency to like take your weapons away from you so that they can oppress you. We're not even being tyrannized properly. They're just content to let us shoot them. This is not. So yes, I'm extremely fatigued. Uh, I'm incredibly desensitized to some degree. Yeah. Because it happens so often that you're in a constant state of rage. If you go up to level 10, every single time you would never come down. Um, and there's no, you can't live that way. You can't live with that anger all the time. So you do become desensitized and fatigued. And as well as how, how can we 
how can we approach it or relieve it? I mean, we could do something. It's the only way. I said, I said, in a, I said it would take an act of God or tyranny to relieve the fatigue at, at this point. And I, yes, either they would have to tyrannize us and take everything away, or perhaps some uh, God being could just smite us. I mean, we're well past that at this point. We we deserve yeah. this smite for so, quite some time. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, obviously, um, that's sort of my answer. But all right, uh, Nick, you're up next. All right. Um, so I'm in a really bizarre circumstance because you mentioned Columbine and that was something that I was four for. <laughs> so um, the level of fatigue that you experience is not nearly as deep seated as it is for me. The thing for me is that I never really closely followed mass shootings until relatively recently. So I don't really experience that much fatigue of it. That does allow me to get up to 10 when like the big things happen. Um, but, you know, the, the come down just is because everybody eventually comes down from it. Um, as far as fixing it or like the, the um, what was the second half? The wording How of can it? we relieve the fatigue or desensitization? Relieve the fatigue or desensitization. It's, I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I'll be honest. I don't really even have a thought about how you could do that. I understand the, the smite of God or the tyranny thing. I, as far as, as far as like literal, what we can do, I feel like the only, um, the only like logical course of action that we could, we could effectively do is like lobby on um, local levels. So to such a degree that it affects the entire country. Is that fast? Not necessarily. Does it always work? Yeah. eh, Depends on the thing, I guess. And it just, it's not a, it's not a fix. It's not a fast fix. You know what I mean? It just, it would take time and it would take a lot of effort and the desensitization, desensitization, unfortunately, like plays a role in people not wanting to do that. If, if people go out and protest guns, you know, in the streets, it doesn't have as much of effect as just going to um, where your local government, like does their meetings and just saying, Hey, people are dying. Let's stop this, you know? And it, kind of adds to that fatigue if that makes sense yeah i like i like the idea that you threw out about it not being a fast solution because this isn't really like a fast problem this has been like a consistent thing even well before columbine we just wasn't as well documented because we didn't have the same type of media as we do now uh and so it's like in your face all the time now when it used to be something that you would only get like every once in a while when you got your paper and you heard about it from like, you know, a couple of cities over or what have you. So well, the, also the thing is with, with, with fast or slow solutions is that the speed is sort of irrelevant because if you do this, if you do the thing, that's a slow solution um, and it takes five years, you know, five years are going to pass regardless whether you do the solution or not. So either it'll get better or it won't. Five years is going to happen either way. Very true. Right. That's that's my two cents on it. All right, Alex, you're up next, buddy. Thank you, Nick. By the way, mm-hmm. I mean, it's like like you said, Anthony. Right? You don't you don't have a choice but to like but to desensitize and kind of push it's like push it down again. Um, I was I was in elementary school when Columbine happened. Uh, so we. Know, being in a school learning about how high schoolers shot other yeah it, it wasn't a great time um and so like it was like but it means like it means in the like in the same in a similar way that uh 
you know, kids today grow up like that's like that's how we grew up. And it's heartbreaking and it's terrible, especially, um, you know, we've talked, we will continue to bring up, uh, you know, both well, I'll say all three of our wives, um, Anthony and, and Joshua and my wife are all in school. And so it it, it always hits yep. close to home. It yep. doesn't matter. Well, and this is something I tragically for for you, Alex and, and Josh, I know you have a, a young kid in the house now. You guys will have to go through you you will go through what I have gone through with my with my kids, which is the persistent should I snatch them out of the schools just as as a statement if nothing else, which is something I have considered many times. And unfortunately that is something that you guys have in front of you. I regret to inform you. I mean I understand the mentality. Uh, yeah. I I wouldn't say that I don't understand. I mean, I, even, (laughs) even some of my family members who like are in school still, I've wanted to like remove from certain areas just because of how prevalent it could be. So like, I, I'm not looking forward to that with like a young, young one, but at the same time, like it's, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to detract Uh, Alex, but you had mentioned the sort of personal way this hits. Right. Um, and so to, to answer, like to answer the other question is, uh, and this will be, this will be a reoccurring trend. Um, the culture is just sick. There's not a, this is, this is a, like, this is a cultural problem. However you want to, however you want to dice that, whether that is, uh, well, um, let's see, uh, there's a policymaker in Great Britain who was talking about, um, well, America, it, like this only happens in America and America, uh, and it will continue to happen in America because, uh, like they, they, we just won't take responsibility, um, because we see guns as a right and not a privilege. And that means, you know, there are th- there are now 30 million guns in the country. Literally more guns than people. Yeah. Yeah. So uh-huh. I'm mean, saying the say, you know, like what you're saying, Nick, like no, like there is no there's no fast outside of uh, a dramatic act of tyranny, which would which would also be slow. Um, there is no fast action. <laughs> I mean, it would be immediate. It would take place, but the change wouldn't like it would have unintended consequences and it would, it would take forever. Like there's no fast answer here. Um, there are only slow, steady solutions and no one has the appetite for it. Not, at least not politically. So it can't, the answer is inherently political and all and simultaneously can't come from a like political source catch 22 yeah and that's where and as everyone kind of recognizes that and that's why we're in this holding pattern that's why we've done nothing for 30 years yeah i mean i assume we're going to circle back to that some of this politics of this later on i'm assuming we're going to get to some of this so Mm -hmm. i I do have a couple of uh, answers there but i'll save those for later so for now thank you alex and Josh, uh, it's hard for me to add anything other than what's already been said, because I know a lot of the like feelings are shared between a lot of people about how these kinds of things affect you. Um, but I would honestly say that, like, especially when it comes to like random acts of violence, uh, specifically random and not racially motivated ones, because uh, I know that a, a good number of them might have some racial undertones that may or may not be uh like thrown into the discussion of how things happen or how things end up being covered by the media. Uh, but for the most part, like I, the, the weirdest part for me was that like, I have always been someone who cares about loss of life 
And I mean, I still do. Like it, if something happens around me that I have the ability to like fix or solve, I will do obviously my, my best to do so. Uh, people like to call me a good person. <laughs> uh, but for the most part, like I, my biggest problem is that when it comes to, especially issues of gun violence, I'm becoming apathetic just because it happens so often. And because of the fact that like, there really isn't a whole lot you can do as a person other than protect yourself and the people around you. Like I can't go to Buffalo and change what happened there. I can't go back in time and stop Columbine. Like there's, there, there are very few options I can take as like a person to actually like stop these people from committing random acts of violence. Um, and that's part of the reason why like I want so much for there to be systemic changes to make that happen. But as we've discussed, like that's, that's not easy, nor is it quick. And so even if we start implementing something, these kinds of things will still happen until we can really root them out of the source. And that's kind of just where I'm at. Like, are we talking about fixing it? No? Okay, then I guess it's going to happen again. At this point, it just is what it is because there's no other option that we've been presented in America yet. All right. Thank you, Josh. So as as always, like I said at the beginning, uh, every Friday, our polls come out on social media. We like to interact. Like I said, we like to, to, to see what you guys and guys and girls and everybody else in the audience, we like to see what you guys are thinking. So please go go to Facebook, respond, let us know how you feel. Um, so with that, let's kick it back to you, Josh. So one of the things that I've uh, noticed and we have uh, talked about a, a couple of times, but I, I don't think we've like really nailed it down are like, the major differences in like ideology and culture here in America um, and how they kind of lead to situations like these and the majorly different responses to them. And so with today obviously being in the backdrop of mass shootings, uh, I wanted to take a second to kind of take the next couple episodes of recap and kind of discuss some major, some major situations that have either that are happening or have happened fairly recently um, and kind of break down the different sides of them and why we think they exist and possibly what we can do about it. Uh, obviously this, this show being, as I mentioned before, in the backdrop of mass shootings. So I have a couple of questions that I have prepared uh, regarding that, but I just kind of wanted to let you guys know who are listening at home. Uh, this is kind of a, a thought process that we will be uh, going through throughout the next couple of episodes. So first things first, uh, I want to take a second to say that I've always been a kind of the, the kind of person who cares more about why a thing is happening rather than the fact that it is. Uh, in, my, in many aspects of my life, it is important to me to determine the why. And so I also wanted to ask this question to you guys, why do we believe this is happening? Now, one of the things that we've heard uh, a lot. And I don't, I, I feel like, well, well, let me just go ahead and I, I wrote like a statement. I'm gonna go ahead and give the statement because I feel like it says it better than I would spitballing it. So the most common answer given by people in positions of power, when it comes to the reason behind mass shootings or mass acts of violence is mental health. I feel like I can speak for all of us when I say that that answer is both deflective and problematic. So, um, in your guys' opinions, what do you think might be some of the major underlying reasons that haven't been talked about as to why these, not, not only are they so prevalent, but why they continue to happen? And I'll go ahead and start. 
and then we can go in whatever order you guys want to go then go in from there um i personally think that one overlooked aspect and i'm pretty sure you mentioned this in one of the slack conversations we had anthony one of the most overlooked parts of this is like how prevalent and how like easy to obtain guns are like guns and ammo are by far like one of the easiest things to like go into a store and leave with which feels weird to me and so I think it's very hard to like disarm people, which in my mind is one of the ways that we would try to fix this. But like the ease at which people can actually purchase and do things with weapons without like always needing special licenses or like needing going through like specific kinds of training or things along those lines to prevent like accidental discharges and whatnot. I'm not even just talking about like mass shootings or whatnot um, is kind of a problem in my opinion. That, that's one of the things, at least, that, that leads to it in my mind, along with a lot of the other things we'll probably end up talking about. So what are some of the thoughts on you guys' mind? I mean, to follow up on that one, I, I, I posted this image in our Slack. I posted it on my Facebook as well. Just give an example. Like, the, the Vegas shooting is still the deadliest mass shooting. 60 killed, like 800 injured between the shooting and, I'm assuming, the panicking. He had 24 firearms, 14 .223 caliber AR-15s, 8308 AR-10s, bolt action, and a revolver. So he had bought 24 firearms that were carried up just by like unsuspecting bellmen who helped him and just carried up to the hotel room, fired more than a thousand rounds. So when we talk about like the availability of, of guns and firearms, I mean, we're talking about, a, a again, a mass shooting where a person had 24 firearms and was able to fire over a thousand rounds. And I believe all of that was legally purchased. So that is obviously... A, a big, huge one. Because you already highlighted that one, I'm going to choose to highlight a, a lesser one. Two years ago for PointCast, one of the articles I wrote was about how the NRA has sort of broken gun politics. Um, I told Francine, you could rerun it today and it wouldn't even have to be updated. It reads the exact same. One of the points I highlighted then was that what the NRA has done is they have enforced a level of partisan fighting around politics with guns. They have done this. Everyone knows they have done this to Republicans by assuring, by assuring that Republican candidates in primaries toe the NRA's line very carefully. This has also happened to Democrats. Example that I gave of this in the piece was of Bernie Sanders. And I illustrated that prior to running for president, uh, Bernie had a relatively not friendly, but he wasn't overtly hostile to sort of guns either. Um, because he comes from a state where they hunt and things like that it was beneficial. The moment he started raising his profile, uh, there was no longer any political benefit to being anything other than hostile to guns because that's the way through a Democrat primary, right? So the NRA does this report card and you either want to have an A because they love you or you want to have an F if you're a Democrat. So if you're a Democrat, the motivation is to get the worst rating possible from the NRA because – well, if, you, if you're a C, someone else in the Democrat primary will go, look how friendly they are to guns. So you end up with no motivation to, to meet somewhere and find an answer. You are either as hostile as possible to guns to get through the Democrat primary or as friendly as possible to guns to get through the Republican primary. This has all been enforced by the NRA and their stupid store, scorecard that they like put out every single year where they rank all politicians. That's one way that they have enforced that the conversation never moves between the extremes, right? So when you see stuff like 
the majority of Americans want background checks. That is true, except no one can ever get there because they can't get through the primary system. This is how the mm-hmm. politics matter. The primaries force everyone to the furthest possible extremes. So that's one of those, like when we talk about potential fixes, the weird thing is that this is a political fix. Fix your primary system and you would actually end up with candidates who might actually like want to find answers as opposed to run to the extremes. So that's one of the whys. That's another why. In addition to the availability of guns, our political system has enforced extremity, uh, forces extremity on the answer as opposed to actual solution seeking. I like it. Definitely not something I was thinking about before. So I'm going to talk about the cultural aspect here because I, I I mentioned like the, the culture is sick, right? Yeah. So like, what, what do I mean by like the culture is sick? And I like, I, I will, we'll, we're going to keep hitting this over and over and it's going to be a reoccurring trend. <laughs> yes. Um, yes, it will. Talk about like, say the sense of, say the sense of isolation among, like among people. Um, again, if we, you can, you can pull people and ask them like, how many friends they have and the answer um has just as i has just uh significantly dropped in the past deck in the past three decades where people would be like yeah i have friends i hang out with them after work what do you do after work i go home and i i wait and i go to sleep and i wake up and i go back to work um like what do you do on the weekends nothing i don't don't do anything what do you mean you don't do anything i mean like i mean i do stuff but like i don't see i don't do things with people I'm going to say, uh, I'm just like constantly alone and that will breed antisocial behavior and um, people will look for other places to belong. Like if I don't belong in my local community, where do I belong? And uh, the people who are very, very excited to find people who don't want to be any, like who don't have a home um, wants to use them to do bad things. I had heard a thing. That's how cults basically get you to join. You feel this complete sense of loneliness and sadness and they go, Hey, here's something bigger than you. You could be a part of. That's like their whole say, entrance strategy. To, so you don't need to feel that way here. Join us and we will make you feel better. We're the only ones mm-hmm. who understand you and everyone else is terrible for making you feel this way. It's mm-hmm. their fault. Yeah. Wouldn't the world be better if they weren't here? If they right. didn't make anyone else feel the same way that they made you feel? Isn't that better? Yeah. It's a mercy, really. <laughs> and as a note, yeah. that pivot took it, it's that quick. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't like how dark that went. <laughs> I mean, but it's real. Like that's, that's the true. that's the craziest part about it. Like it's that that actually happens on large scales with several people and then you get situations like we deal with now so um this might end up taking us over but i do want to talk about at least one more thing and i know that we all have lots of feelings about the police so i (laughs) i can see him and he's sad right now so, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I'm not going to pretend that like they're my favorite institution ever, but uh, I want to talk about the role of the police in situations like this, because they are the people who we would tap on to stop this from happening, or at least to respond to it as it happens. Right? So my question is, oh, well, at least let me, let me preface the question with this. Uh, biases regarding police aside, 
because I know that I have them. Uh, asking them to handle situations like these is a rough and tall ask. My question is, do our current police forces have the necessary tools and training to handle these kinds of situations? Do you believe that they do, yes or no? No, fully no. Um, and nothing is more apparent than the last, what was it, was it the, was it, what was the last school shooting that just happened? Was that Texas? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, there were cops there and they didn't go in. Uh, I'm pretty sure this is a quote or at least a paraphrase. I don't wanna go in there, I'm gonna get shot. Um, yep. And that speaks to me a, a improper training. If, yep. if, if the police on, on paper, if their job is to protect and serve, right? Um, going in there to stop the gunman is protecting and serving. And there is a lack of fundamental training there that they would choose to not go in there. If you don't want to get shot being a police officer, and this is sort of a, this is sort of a very black and white sentence, but then don't be a police officer, right? It's not a great, it's not a great um, ideology to have in that one thing, but you get the idea. Like this is Absolutely. the job. This is what the job is for. Your, your purpose is to protect and serve. And if there's a gunman, that's, you're meant to stop them. That was, for me, that was my understanding of what the point of being a police officer is. You see someone committing a crime, you stop them. Sometimes that means you get shot. Is it sad? Yes. But it is a job. What's the word? Not liability, but um, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's part yeah. of the job. Yeah. Uh, now, in, in my own pseudo defense, I did write this before Texas. <laughs> this, <laughs> this question was written <laughs> before Texas. And I considered taking wow. it out for that exact reason. Uh, but I still thought it was uh, worth bringing up. Uh, because I know a lot of people, like, I'm, I'm trying not to get into my biases here. I'm trying to remain as neutral as possible. I, I know a lot of people uh, feel some kind of way about the police, but like, I, I honestly think, and this is, this is part of the reason why, like, I was like a, a big proponent of the like hashtag defund the police movement uh, when it started, because like one of the major things that they were trying to kind of like help people understand is that like the police as a whole are like a catch-all group of people. Like they are effectively jacks of all trades, even though they are kind of bad at a lot of things anyway. And so uh, one of the things that like defund the police really wanted to do was take a lot of the funding that they were putting toward what felt like extraneous things and using that to like create very specific groups uh, in like either the police department or other like adjacent um, adjacent like branches of uh, you know public service to do things like deal with domestic disputes, deal with people who are uh, dealing with mental issues and things along those lines rather than just like putting a cop with a gun in there. And so my follow-up question is if we had like or actually how feasible is it that we could have a dedicated police department to deal, with things like these. Do we think that's possible? I mean, we uh, do. We do. It's called SWAT. Right. That's fair. But, um, but do you, go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'll go let, ahead. I'll let you <laughs> no, go ahead. No, no, you got this. You ran uh, the numbers. Yeah, so, <laughs> so like, there are 15,000 police departments, right, in the U.S., you're counting local police and sheriff departments. There's 15,000. 
covering roughly 400 million people. Some of these, many of these are 10 or fewer, right? So you have all these apartments. A lot of them have 10 or fewer people. Apparently, in a country where you can buy 25 guns, Tannerite, pneumonium nitrate, like the Vegas shooter, all of them need a SWAT team. Because we don't want you to call the Indianapolis SWAT if you're an hour and a half away, because now it is an hour and a half that the person's been in there killing everybody. We want you to have a local SWAT team. So every one of these 15,000 police departments, again, many of which are 10 or fewer, needs a SWAT team. And that SWAT team can't just be some low-rate SWAT team. They can't be some low-rent. Like, I think that's what happened in Texas. That was just a low-rent. No, no, we need you to have, like, an FBI SWAT team. You need to be the best SWAT team, which is we need, like, 15,000 world-tier SWAT teams, apparently. SWAT teams that are as good as what whole countries don't have. Like, again, that's what we need. We need every SWAT team to be, like, Delta Force, like the people who got bin Laden, apparently. Right? So we need a bunch of SEAL. We need 15,000 SEAL Team 6s. Because that's what you're up against. Perpetrators with assault rifles and explosives and body armor. So, I mean, yeah. They need to be a bunch of SEAL teams or something like that. And how the how the hell does it, that's, that can't happen? I mean, I, I gave out that crazy hypothetical in our chat where I said, I guess they should, what, go train with Dallas SWAT? And then Dallas SWAT should train with FBI and military elite teams so that we can make sure we're passing down the latest techniques all the way down to the local sheriff SWAT team. Is that like, <laughs> right? Like that's what we're talking about. I mean, this was a town, Texas, this was a town of 15,000 people. This is a small town that apparently needs a world-class SWAT team. And the fact that they didn't respond well, I'm not surprised. They're a town of 15,000. Who expects them to have a world-class SWAT team? Why, why, that's not a reasonable thing to expect. That's not okay. a, a reasonable job requirement. That's not even a reasonable thing to ask these small police departments to, to have in their back pocket that they'll never use or that they will use once every 10 years and will drain millions of dollars from their city's coffers and they, because they have to be prepared. I ran, I posted a piece from 1998 where it was, they were looking at this issue of small town SWATs. And they were talking about, like, there is a real need, because even in this example, the cop had gotten shot by a, by a, they were doing a, serving a drug thing, and the guy came out with, like, an assault rifle and killed a cop and grievously wounded another one. So there's a real need for it. And yet they were illustrating even then 23, 24 years ago, like, th there's no way these small towns can afford it. I mean, they, they maybe can afford the upfront cost, but. Are they sending their SWAT team to Quantico to do training twice a month? Because it's not just it's not just forming the SWAT team. It's you have to train the them. SWAT team too. Yeah, yeah. They estimate That's you fair. need to do intense training at least two days a month. Intense training, not just walking through the school like they did in Texas. We're talking intense again, Quantico level training, two days a month. Like, what do you like? Do people think the FBI SWAT team stands around and poses for photos on Facebook like this team did in Texas? That's not what they're doing. The SWAT team of the FBI is not posing for photos. You know what they're doing? Training all the time, all the time, relentlessly. And so when we say SWAT team, people are like they had a SWAT team in Texas. No, they didn't. They didn't have a real SWAT team. Because if you think there's a no difference between if the FBI kicks in your door and the 
Small town SWAT kicks down. Oh, there's a big difference. There's a big difference. And all SWAT teams are not created equal. No, they are not. Okay. But apparently they should be. Well. And Francine bought up in the chat. It's like, is this a police state? Is this a military state? Yes. What I'm describing is a absolute tyranny by the military. By the tyranny <laughs> of a police state. Yes. Yes. Um, and that's because, but like, because what's the alternative? Well, because this is the alternative. Well, it's like, well, it's hey. like, uh, whoever, it's like, whoever wants to, whoever wants to uh, own guns and commit crimes gets to do so without, with yeah. impunity. Yeah. Okay. That, that is not the response I was expecting, but you know what? That makes a lot of sense. I feel that. So, uh, that is, uh, just about all the time we have for today. However... Um, one of the things I still want to highlight is that like, yes, none of these problems have easy solutions. Uh, but even still, like we're, we're still very divided on what that answer should be. And even still, we're just as divided on our responses to these kinds of scenarios. So one of the things I recommend you do, um, all of our dear listeners is think about how you might handle this situation. If you had the ability to enact power uh, and could write policy, what are some of the changes you would make in in the field of guns, whether that's with the police? How would you help fix this problem in America if you had the ability to? And go vote, because that is how you can actually enact change <laughs> here in America, especially on the local side. But with that being said, Today's podcast was brought to you in part by LEI Productions, a studio for podcasters and musicians, and of course, Pointcast News. To listen to any of our other podcasts, please go visit our website at pointcast.news, or you can also find us on Apple Podcasts. Also, be sure to like and follow us on Facebook for more podcasts, articles, and polls like we covered today. Thank you all for joining me today. Thank you all for listening at home. We'll see you next time. Josh, out.